Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blake Street Irregulars, your local Colorado Rockies podcast brought to you by our friends at Tap 14. Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street. Just a hop, skip, and a jump. You can actually pretty much throw a baseball from that statue right out front of home plate and land it right here on the gorgeous rooftop of Tap 14. 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 distilled Colorado spirits. Everything up here is Colorado from the reclaimed wood that decorates it to everything that you eat on that locally sourced uh, menu that rotates in and out seasonally from Chef Taylor Creedon. The, the guys that are here today, we all actually uh, had a bite. We are having beers as we speak. And uh, I'm not sure why you're not here, but if you're listening, you should join us for the next one. So my name is Sean Drotar. Uh, you can catch me on the radio with Nate Lundy, who, by the way, sits right next to me on my right, and TJ Carpenter sitting right across the table for me right now with, I don't know what you're drinking. What is this? This is a Long Island iced tea. Oh. And I would just like to say, it's a great Long Island iced tea, and Nate and I are both verified on Twitter, and I want to know why, Sean, you are not. That's what I want to know. Why aren't you verified? Why, why do people not trust you? Well, Most is- importantly, why doesn't Twitter trust you? <laughs> I mean, I got a major corporation here that does not trust you enough How to give you a blue check mark. How long are is this podcast supposed to run? <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of Colorado Spirits, a shout out to our friends here at Tap 14 who just added, by the way, upstairs here at Tap 14, just on the rooftop of Haters & Co. on Blake Street, just added to their Colorado Spirits lineup. Our friends at Arda Tequila yes. have been added up here. Now, yes. obviously, you cannot be a tequila if you are made in Colorado. You have to come from the particular region and all the rules that apply. But it is a Colorado company, uh, actually, with their offices down there by the Centennial Airport. Um, but Arda Tequila is now here at Tap 14, which I love. Uh, by the way, we have a Tequila Thursdays with Brad Evans on the radio show. But I'm so happy that our friends at Arda are now a part of Tap 14. Does tequila affect you guys differently? Because it affects me differently. I am in a totally uh, differently different than, mood. Differently than what? Like than, than water? Or yeah, than vodka what? or uh, Long the, Island uh, iced teas? the potato sweat that uh, beer No, makes. no. Now, tequila, the beautiful thing with Arda is if you're drinking good tequila like you can do here at Tap 14, right. yeah. people that don't understand tequila don't realize you sip it the way that people think you're supposed to do with like bourbon and whiskey. Right. Yeah. Good tequilas, okay? If you're doing a shot of tequila, chances are it's not very good tequila. <laughs> right. When, okay? you, when you were in college, you weren't exactly That's ponying right. up for the premium brands, right? Yeah. It was like, right. well, this giant yeah. jug of plastic that uh, so, something's in it. When it's you not do, good tequila. So the beauty of Arda is that their tequilas are fantastic. You can sip them. You can enjoy them. 
the Reposado is fantastic. I've actually got a bottle of it right now in my car as we speak. Uh, not that I'm drinking it while driving. I'm actually, they made a donation. Oh, okay, got it, got To it, a charity that uh, we all work with. I'm glad, you, awesome. I'm glad you specified. And so they donated some bottles, and I'm uh, going to be delivering them to the charity. So anyway, nice. I know that's a long plug, but I'm just really glad that they're here at Tap 14. It's, it's a bar. We're at a bar. We're at a bar that you can, you can hear everyone behind us having a good time for a reason. One of many things you could choose from here. The Colorado Rockies, as we record this it's on It's starting Thursday, to rain, damn it. It is raining, but it rained after the Rockies get the walk-off win. And so you take the series from the Mets two games to one, and I mean walk off very literally. The the bottom of the ninth for the Colorado Rockies in a tie game. Jonathan Lucroy hit by a pitch. Charlie Blackman intentionally walked. DJ LeMahieu unintentionally walked. And then, despite having Nolan Arenado down 0-2, Arenado also walks in the winning run. The so, Rockies end up so taking two of three. Technically, Nolan Arenado gets two walk offs in four days. <laughs> Um, hey, that RBI I mean, in, the same less the than, right. in less than 96 hours, Nolan Arenado had two walk-offs uh, this week. Actually, less than 72 hours, Tuesday night to tonight. But here's the amazing part of Nolan Arenado's at-bat. First pitch, foul ball, 0-1. Second pitch, foul ball, 0-2. The Mets then threw four straight balls and walked him game over. Like, at, at what point are the Mets becoming the Jets? Because are, have they just given up? It's a New York thing. It's a New York thing. Well, well part of it is, is they're... But you always throw a strike 0-2. You they're, always throw... They're going... Well, no. No, you throw don't. Throw a strike. Yeah, no, throw a strike. No, that's, what, that's, gonna, that's when you yeah. bury it low and outside. That's not when you throw a strike. Throw a strike. <laughs> but the... It, it's, it's an interesting matchup for the Mets, of course. They, they have some phenomenal high-end pitching, but they're all hurt. And Cindergaard and, and Wheeler... And it's been really problematic for them. But for the Rockies, you just have to get things done. Now they have an opportunity to take on the Phillies. Uh, as we are recording, the Diamondbacks and the Cubs are still playing. The Rockies may uh, end up swapping back into the top wildcard spot all week. They have bounced back and forth for the Diamondbacks. One of the better news uh, for the Rockies in this game under the radar. Greg Holland gets the win in relief. Obviously, the Rockies winning in the ninth. Holland, the... Uh, Unfortunate. Did get cut off I his guess, finger? Yeah, I guess you can't say victim if it's self-inflicted, but uh, apparently spends like, about as much time like in the kitchen fingers. as I do and uh, managed to cut himself in uh, what was considered a kitchen accident. Is he making guacamole? What was he doing? what they call every time I walk into a kitchen, it is inherently a kitchen accident, but uh, must not be too much of a problem, was able to go ahead and, and come back and, yeah, and get that get that win today for the Rockies. So uh, Holland, probably the most important pitcher this season on the Rockies staff whether it's starter or reliever, so to see that he is, again, uh, Using a bad healthy. cheese cutter? I mean, what was he doing? Something. Do uh, we know? It's baseball. You have inj- Ricky Henderson got frostbite in the middle of the summer by putting his foot on a, on a swamp cooler. Glenn Allen Hill uh, used to be with the Rockies as a base coach, going on the deal after rolling off his couch through a glass coffee table because he had a nightmare about spiders. This is not that weird a baseball injury. John Smoltz burned himself in the chest, ironing a shirt he was wearing. Baseball is replete with bizarre injuries. So in this one, hey, that's pretty normal. Trevor Bauer missed a playoff game for the for the Indians last year during their run because yeah. he was playing with a drone that cut his finger. So, so Greg Hollins, that's pretty mundane, really. So given this three-game set, can we talk about how Tyler Chatwood is on the Mets payroll? No, that's that's Jose Reyes, who's the highest-paid player on the Rockies, is on the Mets because payroll. Because I this should have been a sweep. Yes. This should have been a sweep. 
until Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Chatwood went all Tyler Chatwood on everybody. Had an atrocious uh, game in that second game of the series. Uh, the Rockies spotted him a 5-0 lead. Rockies ended up losing that game 10-5. So a, a pretty disastrous outing, all told, for Chatwood. And, and it feels like as the Rockies try to get a little healthier as the season goes on, Chad Bettis now pitching in AAA Albuquerque, that Tyler Chatwood's time in the rotation may be coming to an end. But the question is Maybe now, to an end. with Antonio Sensatella pitching a nice three innings of relief in that game, but Sensatella's two-pitch arsenal at this point, because he was rushed to the majors, has also been exposed and become a smidge problematic. So what do you do at this point with that rotation? Are you going to, to spend time waiting for someone else to, to get better before you move Chatwood out? Do you try to get Sensatella a spot starter too and hope that he can hold it up? Or, or do you just sort of uh, make do or, or do something drastic? Well, I, I, I think that you don't necessarily have to do anything drastic, but I think you've realized that Tyler Chatwood is most definitely not your answer, um, that there's too many things that are unpredictable with his performance, that his three or four innings that he can give you start to get really, really ugly um, by the time you are at inning five or you know, if he actually makes it to six, is that it, there's just there's not enough sustainable there for him. But at the same time, and you brought this up on the radio show before, guys, is that even if you think you've got a solution in Bettis, he's not there yet. So you have to find some way to piecemeal your rotation together until he's ready. The, the bright side for the Rockies, the, the pitchers winning of late. Kyle Freeland looks good. Herman Marquez seems to have kind of punched through what you'd call the rookie wall. It was bumpy for a little while, now pitches well. Uh, did so again in his last outing. So there, there's still a lot to be optimistic about with this team and its pitching. But TJ, you've been one of the guys that, uh, that on air has been rather critical of the, the talent there. Understanding that it's not the Dodgers. Yeah. We know that. That's not a secret. Right. Do they have enough at this point in the season to get it done, hang on, and hold on to one of those wild card spots? I, you know, to some extent, I feel like my perception of baseball has been framed by the team I've covered to this point, which has been the Royals. That don't um, play at altitude. Yeah, they don't play at altitude. They, they have their own ballpark issues. Um, they, they play in a big ballpark uh, where the franchise record for home runs is 36 by Steve Balboni. So um, they, they found pitchers who fit their park. They found Chris Young. They found Irvin Santana. Uh, they found um, uh, uh, James Shields. Guys who pitched to contact, guys who they knew would fit their park. And that's, that's harder for a team that has a big park but one at altitude where they know guys are going to hit home runs. So I understand there's difficulty in that, but I would say the value of your GM is in finding guys who fit what you have to do to win. And so, you know, obviously they've got a lot of great offensive players. They've got a lot of great hitters. I would just like to see guys who maybe are ground ball pitchers, guys who can play into the teeth of the defense, uh, things like that. But, you know, I mean, just to be quite frank, it's harder to pitch at altitude. I get that. But they don't have the pitching necessary to win in the postseason, regardless of the park they, they pitch in. Nate, Bud Black has pushed most of the right buttons this year in, in pretty much all facets of the team. They, they look like a different team. They're more disciplined in virtually every way. How much can a, a manager like Bud Black basically 
smooth out some of those bumps in the roads, knowing that these guys are inexperienced, knowing that they're not top-level talent guys. They don't, they don't have a, a Kershaw or a Scherzer or anything like that. But how much can the, the manager smooth some of those things out and, and compensate for it? Well, I would say two things. One, the manager can do a lot depending upon who you're comparing him to. You want to compare him to Walt Weiss? Then I'm going to take a guy who's got major league manager experience compared to Walt Weiss, and I like Walt a lot. I just didn't think he was the right guy for the job. I also think that it depends on where that person's background is. Okay? I mean, Don Mattingly played in the field. We've seen managers that were catchers. We've seen managers that were field players. And we've also seen a guy like Bud Black that pitched. And therefore, when you look at the Rockies and you understand that pitching has always been their Achilles heel, then to me, you need a manager that understands how to work with pitchers. And, you know, you can have the other guy, Manningly and Dusty Baker and all these other different guys, but for the Rockies, I think they hired the right guy right now on this team, not just with rookie pitching, like what they have, but somebody that understands the position and I think most importantly, understands the mentality of it, understands the mental part, the stuff going on between their ears. That, to me, is what has made him different as a manager. I don't know. I mean, look, I, I, I'm of the age. I, I, you know, I grew up watching Don Mattingly play. Is Would Don Mattingly have been the right manager for the Rockies when your weakness and your need to be able to kind of put your arm around a guy and say, you know, kind of, you know, major league style in the movie, like strike this out, right? Would, would a guy whose experience was actually on the field or in some other capacity in baseball be the same as what Bud Black brings? I don't think that's the same. So I think that Jeff Breidich hired the exact right guy to be the manager of this team right now. I'm not saying he's going to be here for 15 years and have three NL Manager of the Year awards and all that kind of stuff, but he's the right guy right now. Black, by the way, in his time as a pitching coach with the, the Angels prior to taking over the Padres, in three separate seasons, the Angels pitching staff had the lowest ERA in the American League. So he's had success working with pitchers directly as a pitching coach. And, of course, won over 100, over 100 games in his career as a pitcher, World Series champ with the, with the Royals back in 1985. So there is a, a lot of... Uh, weight there and experience on both sides. He's managed hundreds of games as a manager, pitched in a lot of games as a player. And you mentioned Jeff Breidish. Jeff Breidish deserves a little bit of credit in the Rockies run too because he went ahead and acquired a few different guys right before the trade deadline. Pat Mishuk, the uh, side-arming right-hander, they, they add him. He's been thrown right into the fire for the it's Rockies. It's just weird. Pitched in a few he games throws already. throws weird. Is he side or underarm? I'm not really sure. Where is he it's at? It's weird. It, it is a strange one. And then they add the the, the, the pitcher's best friend, John, the, the, your catcher. They go get a veteran catcher in Jonathan Lucroy, really one of the pioneers of the modern art of pitch framing behind the plate. Uh, what kind of difference, CJ, when you look at the way that these young pitchers have to communicate, the difference between a, a veteran like a Lucroy, and even to an extent Ryan Hannigan, compared yeah. to a young guy like Tony Wolters, already it's been stark. Can Lucroy help accelerate that process for them in this last six to eight weeks too? Yeah, I, I like how Lucroy works the balls. Um, <laughs> I like how Lucroy. No, you can take he, it back if you want. <laughs> like, shit. Lucroy, can you, can you edit that, Ryan? No, no, no. That might be the drop. <laughs> Lucroy's a veteran catcher, so he knows how to frame the strike zone. Framing pitches is so much more important than most people realize. 
because being able to move a pitch that lands three inches outside the strike zone and move it three inches inside the strike zone, you can get, it's not like every single call is going to go your way, but like if you can get 60% of the calls to go your way because of doing that, oh, yeah. it helps so much. I think it's called what it is. You're basically able to fool the umpire. Yes. You're able to make the umpire widen the strike zone because you're, you're tricking him. Right, and that's the veteran part of it, but also, too, making sure you know that a pitcher is pitching his best pitch in the right moments is so important. That's going to take a little bit of time for Luke Roy to figure out with these pitchers because they're because they're younger and Hannigan's been working with them so much. Hannigan, I obviously is still your guy, but if you can if you can just get, I don't know, maybe two or three profound moments of realization with Luke Roy and a young pitcher to say, hey, this is your pitch. Use this in this situation. It doesn't even have to be in a game. Right. Right. Yeah, this can be this can be something you're saying in the dugout to a guy that's yes. not starting that day, and they can be watching the play on the field and yep. say, okay, see how that works, see how that didn't, see how this is what you want to do, and you can start to mark those opposing batters. Right. Learning the league is such a huge part for both catchers and pitchers. Getting a veteran means you can make that happen a lot faster. I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah, Nate, Len, Nate Bye, Lundy. Nate. I'm Bye, leaving. Nate. I can't take it anymore. I'm no. leaving. <laughs> I think it's actually the city and county of Denver is going to issue him a moving violation if he doesn't park, get his car you, out of You guys know what the way they they hand out tickets down at Coors Field like candy. Yeah, so like I, better go, I better go move my car or I'm sure. in trouble. It's like past candy. On the bright side, uh, make sure you, you follow Nate. At On Nate the bright Lundy side, on Nate's Twitter. leaving. Well, it's not as much that as he. Also, it, yes. it, and there we go. That voice you heard. It, it's like yeah, it's like a, a, a wrestling thing. He just reaches out, taps in. I'm and, the middle relief. And in comes Ryan Green. Follow him at Ryan. We'll see you tomorrow, Dub Valley. Fifty-two eighty. And uh, Ryan, you've been you've been hearing a lot of this. As you actually, well, you got ahead of it. Uh, Nate is leaving to surrender his, the the meter. You just went and fed yours and That's came where back I was. up. Yeah, so That's why I missed but the you start. got an opportunity to, to hear some of this. So yes, the guy coming in in middle relief. Uh, what I'd like to hear from you is some of the ideas of what you're seeing post trade deadline. And I, I would like uh, a lot more Pat Nishik from you than let's say. Chris Russin or the uh, the the late unlamented Jordan Lyles. Look, I think the Rockies are finally doing what we've want the, wanted them to be doing for years now, and that's at least show effort. And that's all I can ask for. They're making trades for positions they need. They're not giving up a lot to do so. They're, these are rental guys. Right. They're, they're, they're not going to keep them not, years to go. This is for this run. Right. While, while they're still paying Jose Reyes, they're not getting themselves into those dumb contracts that they are so, or that we are so used to them making. And I think that's what they want and what I think it really all goes back to is I think they are trying to show Nolan Arenado that this is the team will, that will try hardest to get him a world championship. I think they realize that they kind of mishandled the Tulo situation and they realize the talent Nolan Arenado is and they said we gotta keep this guy here, we gotta give him incentive to stay here so if we show him that we will try we show him that, that we will try and upgrade a positions of needs during the season that we're having a it's an historic season already if it ends with them at 500 it's still a fantastic year for them that's what I think it all goes back to is, is making their all-star happy and also showing at least okay we're we're ready to hopefully start making the moves that will get us to being at least a mid-level team in the major leagues so you guys have you guys have lived in Colorado a lot longer than I 
But I, I look at it, I look at it from this perspective: the team needs to make a run. And we, we were talking about this earlier today because I, I had mentioned kind of like you know Justin Verlander could have been a sixty million dollar mistake potentially. I think would have would have been a sixty yeah, million yep. dollar mistake. That's why they didn't go after him. And and Nate had made the point that look, they don't want to spend all that money on one game. And I look at it as if you win that one game, you're going to win the hearts of fans that are 9, 10, 11 years old for decades. If you make the playoffs, you win that game, well, now, you get now, into now a, you're series. In a full series and who knows what happens. Yes, exactly. And I think those those games in the series in the playoffs matter more than just simply saying, "Hey, we don't want to spend $20 million or whatever it is on one guy to help us win one game. You got to think bigger than that. What? How do we impact the people who live in this city who are younger, who are going to be our fans for 30, 40 years beyond this? I think that's one of the things Kansas City lost in the 30 years that they sucked from 85 to 2014. They were missing out on all those kids. Well, yeah. hope. If you lose a generation right. that doesn't have hope right. and believes yeah. your team could do anything. They grew up thinking they were terrible. You don't want that here in Colorado with the Rockets. You talk to a bunch of 10- and 11-year-old kids uh, take over to hockey that, that watch the Avalanche. The Avalanche have two Stanley Cups to their name. But, it, but kids yeah. that are 10, 11 years old, the kids that are looking to be new fans that might eventually be season ticket holders, those are kids who have never seen this team be anything less than atrocious. Right. Yeah. And, and so at least nothing that they can remember. And I think that's very interesting because the Rockies are – uh, the, the Rockies brand, I think, and I'm, I don't mean it as a complete insult, it, it's kind of just what it is, is it's a fun thing to do in the summer. It's got a great park, Colorado has lovely summer nights, the, the team tends to hit a lot of home runs because you're at altitude, the park is big, it's, it's fun, yeah. but you don't invest your heart and soul into it. There's no right? loyalty. And, and guys who don't yeah. invest their heart and soul into it, don't go buy season tickets. Right. You drop in here and there. Right. If you want Broncos level diehards, that's where it comes from. You, like you, you need said, to be. It can't just be fun. You don't have to win all the time, but you need to yes. be in the mix every year. And, and, I, and when you have a bad year, it needs to be a blip. I think yeah. Nolan's the guy to do that. Oh, though, yes. Because the emotion he shows, like you saw it in the walk off cycle, you saw it in the walk off he had that next week after the cycle. He wants to win, and although he knows he's probably the best third baseman in the game now, and maybe ever. He is always trying to improve himself, and that is the type of player that Denver especially will gravitate to. It's always not such the... I mean, Denver loves the underdog. I'm not going to say that they sure. don't love the underdog. But Nolan Arenado showing that, okay, I'm good. They but like I the Broncos fine when the Broncos are going 13 and 3 and 14 and 2 also, though. Right. right? They like that just fine. They, they like no that. one complains that. I wish right. it was a little less, you know, a little more risky. Right. But, but, but Nolan doesn't have that attitude where it's like, I know. He doesn't have the too low attitude. And I think that's where fans will start going, okay, I like his attitude. And you go, you know, you should, you see Cargo go through an 11-game hit streak after a, after a slow start. That's where fans come in and that's like That's a good that. point, Ryan, because in baseball there's not a lot of a lot of players that you can say just because of the nature of baseball. As great as Nolan Arnando is, and I, you, know, I, you mentioned he could be the best third baseman ever, what's amazing is that's really not hyperbole. Right. He, he actually he does have the be. ability and the, and the pace he's playing at means that's not actually impossible, which is... Hard to believe, really. Right. I mean, you know, baseball's been played for 140 something years, and, and this could be the best guy that's ever played it, playing in your park. But 
it, it's the, the rare part about Arenado is the fact that he's disciplined. We've seen him win a win a game against the Mets in this series by just kind of slapping the ball to center right. field, not trying to kill it. We saw him win one today by basically taking a walk at the right yeah. time. Not everybody's able to necessarily sublimate their ego and not try to smash in 500 feet and say, hey, if all we need is a single or all we need is a walk, that's what I'm going to do to win. But Arnold is one of those rare guys in baseball, and you don't see them too often, that basically can tell a team, get on my back. Baseball right. as a sport doesn't support that. You only get to come up and play three or four times a game, and you don't control when those three or four times are. You don't control when the ball's hit to you. So the fact that, that Arnado does have that kind of mentality, and you can see it, that is a, a rare thing. Combine that with the talent that he has, and you have a, a very unique uh, asset that you can build around. And for the Colorado Rockies, I, I, I think you're right. For the fans, as TJ said, it's very important to, to prove that you can be a competitive team. You don't have to be an also-ran. But to do that, it does go arm in arm with the best building block to make sure you become that team is to find a way to retain Nolan Arenado long term, and that means you need to impress him. So you're all for Arenado's contract for eternity. I, I am, like but, Jack, but, but you you made a very interesting point on our radio show, My Life Sports, this morning. That I, I'll be totally honest, I had a difficult time arguing. The the idea that if you're a mid-market team, if you're not the Dodgers, you can yeah. spend three hundred million dollars a year on your roster that may be putting all your cash into one guy and 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 the their expansion brethren that yeah. came in the league with them in 93 the marlins and the contract they handed out to giancarlo stanton 325 million dollars yeah. that they only a year and a half later are trying to get out from under does provide a bit of a, an argument for the opposite position the, i think that the things that factor into that because if they could sign blackman lemayhew and arenado all yeah. I think that I think that'd be great. The Rockies payroll, by the way, they, they, they've sometimes gotten a reputation over the years for being "quote unquote" cheap. Yeah. The Rockies payroll generally does sit in sync with the with the Rockies' place in the market. Yes. They're about the uh, look at about the 16 to 18 range in market in Major League Baseball, yeah. and they are normally spending about 16 to 18 in payroll. Right. So what they're doing is not really unreasonable. I think that they're unfairly maligned as a a cheap organization. Yeah. But are they? Are they cautious about what they spend? Because unlike a Dodgers or Yankees, the Dodgers go make a mistake on, on a, a $60 million guy. They go, well, that's too bad. Well, I guess we'll just go get another one. And in a couple years when that oh, rolls off the books, we'll, we'll live with it. Right. Uh, the Rockies and teams at their level can't afford those kind of mistakes. Right, and I, I'm, I don't think the Rockies are cheap. I just think that their television contract and their fan support financially are really important factors in whether or not they can sign all three of those players. This morning I said I'd rather have two B plus players than one A plus player, and that's because there's twice as many at bats, etc. I think you can have more contribution that way. So I'd rather sign Blackman and Lemayhew than just sign Arenado. But if you can have all three, I think a lot of that's dependent upon what your TV contract is, because if that money is like I. I I don't, I don't, I don't really know what a, a number to put on it is, but like the Comcast deal that the Dodgers well, signed. Well, Dodgers is worth four billion dollars. Right. So, like, if it's that, the Rockies then, simply yeah, aren't going to get that them. because Denver's not LA. But, <laughs> right. But there, there is an opportunity to improve it along the next one. And uh, the Rockies aren't drawing, by the way. When they, when you have a winning team in town, here we are on on a rainy Thursday in August. 
it is borderline cold out. It yeah. rains right now. It is completely overcast. And we've been sitting under, fortunately, an umbrella out here at TAP 14. So, you know, everything we're recording this on isn't uh, short-circuiting and killing us. <laughs> but the... It was impossible to find a place to park. There are 40,000 people out on a rainy Thursday afternoon watching the Rockies yep. because this town will support a winner. They're averaging about 5,000 more fans a, a game, which is a big number. When you put that over 80, I mean, that's a humongous number. And the Rockies draw well already. But they, they do have to watch that because this is the challenge. We watched a team that isn't a big money market, the Chicago White Sox. And the Detroit Tigers, by the way. Both teams realized, okay, yeah. they've spent big money on some of their players, and they realized it's not working. What did these two teams have to do at the trade deadline? Yeah. They had to sell off the prospects. They had to restart. For the Rockies, this is the difficulty. My, my gut tells me, no. If you have a Nolan Arenado wearing a purple uniform, you do everything you can to make sure he stays in it for the rest of his career. But there are more than one way, there are a couple of ways to sure. spin the cat here. Because it can backfire as well. And it, it's the Rockies are sort of in uncharted waters here. They've never been at this spot where you have a, a lineup where you, you called it on the radio station a, a cluster luck. Yeah. Which, fortunately, I'm in a podcast, uh, and there's not FCC, so if I would have screwed <laughs> that up, I wouldn't immediately be fired. Yeah. But, but you still have to be careful. But the idea that the Rockies have enough batters that aren't always necessarily trying to get their own stats that they can bust out in big innings. And we saw this again as the Rockies win this game today by scoring in the ninth inning without a single hit. Yeah. Without a bat even touching a ball. Yeah. Doesn't, a ball doesn't even get into the field and you still win. Uh, that's something that you don't want to lose. And that's dependent on more than one guy. Yeah. For, for a second, to go back to, you were talking about the passion of the, uh, the fans show up to support this team. But I will also say, as many tickets as are bought to go to Rockies games, they're pretty cheap. And I think a lot of times it's not just about the size of your market, but it's about the passion of your market. It's it's not, is, is, is sports in your town leisure or is it life? Because I've lived in towns where sports is life. Like people spend their, their savings on tickets to go to Razorback games or to Chiefs games or to Broncos games. That's the way it is with a lot of Yankees fans, Red Sox fans, Dodgers fans. And to a, to a large extent, I do view the Rockies fan base as saying, hey, you want to go to a Rockies game? We can go to a Rockies game. Because like I talked about before, it's 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 a fun thing to do. It's like going exactly. to the movies. Yes. Uh, as, opposed, exactly. as opposed to something that, to that you're very too. intent yeah. and saying, yeah. all right, you'll see them go get a big win today. Like, that's eh, fun. Hopefully then we can see a couple home runs on their win. That'd be great. Hopefully the weather's yeah. nice. And in the meantime, yeah. the weather's nice. There's a party we, deck. Yeah, we can go up the party deck and chill out. and It's fun. And, and, and you're right. I think because you look at the way the Broncos are and have been really throughout almost their entire history. The way we've seen the Avalanche be when they're good, yeah. same kind of scenario. The way we've seen the Nuggets when as recent ones they had Carmelo Anthony were making their run and were constantly going deep into the playoffs. This is a town that will treat its team like that if the team proves itself worthy of it. And that means not a season. Yeah. It means you have the Rockies are at a point where it looks like they can turn a corner, but to, to switch to the golf parlance, they have to sink the putt. Yep. Yeah. And that means do. making the playoffs this season first and foremost. That's step one. So do yeah. it. For the Rockies, this is going to be a fascinating thing. We'll continue to keep up with them. We'll do we'll do these podcasts out here at Top 14 as we have for all the day games. It's terrific to be out here with all the crowds and the fans. 
see everybody. And, and like I said, we're, it's, it's cloudy, it's rainy, it's cold. It is barely time for people to be off work. <laughs> and it's packed up on the roof up here. Yep. And with very good reason, it's the place you want to be before Rockies games, after Rockies games. Heck, even if you don't have a ticket, they have TVs up here. Come get drunk up with here us. Too and uh, enjoy the beers that are cheaper in the, than they are in the stadium. And by the way, they're all made here. So 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 distilled Colorado spirits. This is the place you want to be. It's terrific to be up here, and uh, they bring this to us every single week for uh, for baseball. And now, by the way, they've also started the, the sponsors of our Broncos Blitz podcast yeah. as we continue to tie 50 Sports Network a little bit closer with our buddies at Tap 14 up here. So for Ryan Green, follow him at Green 5280 on Twitter for TJ Carpenter, my, uh, I think we still say new co-host, which I like. Yeah. That the bloom is not off the rose yet. It's, it's all, it's still fresh and Very and rosy. Yeah, so. Uh, You'll hate line. each other soon enough. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, that's, what, that's what Nate's there for. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take it out on him first. Uh, Nate Lundy, follow him at Nate Lundy on Twitter. TJ at TJ Carpenter Show. I am Sean Drotar. That is S Drotar, D-R-O-T-A-R on Twitter. You can catch all of us, uh, Mile High Sports Radio, in the morning. You can catch Ryan Green and all his videos on YouTube with Follow 52 Sports Network. And Ryan, you'll get all that as well. So there's a lot to catch up on. It is an interesting fall. When football season starts, the Rockies become an afterthought. Not this year. The, the Rockies have guys on the mound to throw the ball better than the Broncos throw the football around. So oh, uh, that's true. things Most get a little bit interesting this fall. And you know what? I'm still convinced fans can pay attention to more than one team at a time. I don't think I'm a unicorn. I think you can do it too. Thank you much, very much for tuning in. This is the Blake Street Irregulars of 5280 Sports Network production.